All right, so good day, everyone. And um, thanks for joining us. God bless you all. So as we've said here today, we are looking at the economy of the spirits. And what that simply means is um, how the Holy Spirit operates in our lives, in our lives here, how God operates in our lives through the Holy Spirit, right? And that's basically what we mean. When we say the economy of the spirit, we mean he, the, the administration of the spirit in our lives. And that tells us how God operates, all right? And like um, we might have heard before, um, that we're in the third day. What that simply means is there was a dispensation where the father was the primary player, all right? Then there was, then a, and that was in the Old Testament. Then there was a dispensation where the, where the son, Jesus Christ, was the primary player. And then Jesus Christ said that I have to go, but when I go, I'll send you another comforter who will be with you forever. Meaning Jesus Christ wasn't going to be with us in physical form forever. All right. And so he sent the Holy Spirit who would be the who is another comforter who would pretty much take his place and do everything that he, he was intent, he was supposed to do or, or everything that he was doing in the life of the of the disciples or in the life of the believers. And so the third day is now the holy, the day of the Holy Spirit, or the third dimension, or sorry, third dispensation, I beg your pardon. The third dispensation is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. All right. And and we it's super important that we understand his operations in our lives, right? And I want to explain the way a, a man of God puts it. You know, for instance, um, have you ever had a have you ever had, have you ever had a, maybe in back in school, right, a particular course that was taught by a particular lecturer, and then the lecturer changed. Let, let me show you my own experience. So we had this, there was this, there was this particular course, um, I think it was in our fourth year, if I remember clearly now, either third or fourth year, right, and it was a lecturer that was taking it, and we're, we're struggling a bit while, while, that lecturer was taking us that course. But for some reason, they um, they moved the lecturer to a different, I guess, unit or something like that. Chair. And so they had to bring in another lecturer. And this new lecturer studied abroad, studied outside the country. So his method of teaching was different. Even his method of setting questions were different. And it was a lot easier. So his questions were, in fact, it was almost as though he could tell you what questions will come out in the exam before it came out. So we, we had focused um, studies before the exam. So he'll teach us generally during the, during the semester, but towards exam period, he begins to highlight certain topics. And because of that, we had an idea of what kind of questions to expect or what areas the core questions would come from. And he will tell us and say, hey, there'll be six questions in the exam. Um, um, two of them are compulsory and you select any other two questions to answer. So this lecturer, the, it was the same course, the same curriculum, but because the lecturer changed, the subject was a lot easier and we, most of us passed it, okay? Now, the, it is the same way that the subject is the same, the course curriculum is the same, but the instructor is now different. So at some point it was Jesus Christ who was on the earth right and he was the one primarily teaching you know people about the ways of god the kingdom of god and all of that now when jesus christ left the 
curriculum did not change. It was the same curriculum, the same subject matter being God's kingdom, God's will, God's purpose, and all of that. Everything was the same. However, the instructor was now different, all right? And in Jesus' time, the instructor was, he was Jesus. And, and for you to, to learn from Jesus, you had to be there physically, okay? For you to, for Jesus to minister to you, you most likely had to be there when he was ministering. And because Jesus Christ was in bodily form, he couldn't be in more than one place at a time. So Jesus Christ was in Samaria. He couldn't be in Jerusalem. If Jesus Christ was in Bethlehem, he couldn't be in um, Samaria, all right? So he had to be there one at one place per time. And that, that dimension had its own restraints, of course. But now that the Holy Ghost has come, it is the same curriculum, the same purpose, the same subject, but the lecturer has changed. Now, you know, for instance, in university, you hardly ever, I mean, even if the lecturer was your uncle, right, he wouldn't always be there to teach you. You will still have to attend classes like every other person. And then um, if you don't understand in class, you probably have to rely on some tutorial or the help of some classmate or personal study and reading, okay, um, for, for you to learn further. And you know that people's learning, um, what, what they call it, learning capacity differs. So some people learn quickly, other people, others have to go back again and again. But in a lecture room, that doesn't count. The lecturer can't begin to explain individually to every, everybody, all right? And it would similarly to what Jesus, Christ, um, um, Jesus Christ's present on, presence on earth um, represented. He had to teach them generally. And sometimes they understood, sometimes they did. In fact, Thankfully, the disciples had access to Jesus so they could come to him and say, Master, this parable, we don't understand it. Explain to us. And then he explained, explained to them. But not everybody had that access to Jesus. But in this dispensation of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter your learning pace. Every single person has access to the Holy Ghost. So if you don't understand, you have your personal tutor with you in your heart um, teaching you. All right. So this dispensation of the Holy Ghost is what I'm referring to as the economy of the, of the spirit, the, where the Holy Spirit controls and is the primary player in this dispensation, all right? So I want us to explore some things tonight. And um, um, I'm about saying that tonight's study wouldn't be long, but I remember that I said it last week and we ended up staying long. So I'll do my best to keep tonight's study um, short and concise, all right? Because I really just want to nail, nail, hit the nail on the head and dive straight into into today's discussion, all right? So let's start reading um, John chapter 15, verse 16 to 17. John, the book of John. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The book of John chapter 15, verse 16 to 17. Yes, please read if you are there. John 15, 16 to 17. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And oh, sorry, hold on, hold on. Hold on, please. Not okay. chapter 15, chapter uh, 14. I beg your pardon. John chapter 14. 14, okay. 15 to 16. Yes, please. John 14, 15 to 16. Mm, 15 to 17. Okay. Yep. You. If you love me, keep my commands. 
Um, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Can you hear me? Okay, yes, we can hear you now. Continue. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Okay, okay. Okay, from 15 to 17. Yeah. All right. So I'll read from KJV now. Okay. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with whom the world cannot receive, because it's but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Praise Jesus. All right, I want to emphasize verse 17. He says, okay, well, so I mean, Josh Christ was talking to disciples and, and he said to them, um, when I go, I'll send the comforter, right? And he will abide with you forever. Then he says in verse 17 that even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither can he, neither knoweth him, but you, you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So my emphasis is that praise even the spirit of truth. So you see, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of truth, all right? Um, there are different ways to, to term spirits, all right? And so if you read the, if you read the book of Daniel, you hear, um, you hear something like the Prince of Patia. So it's possible for spirits to be categorized based on their geographic, the geographic location of their influence, all right? So if the spirit is, um, um, if the spirit is predominantly um, domiciled in a particular location, he's, that spirit is most likely to be referred to um, by that location. For instance, the madman of gatherings, all right, he, inside him, lived a legion of demons, and, but, but his operations was not beyond that, that geographic location, okay? So that's one way to to define or to recognize spirits by their predominant um, base, geographic base. But another way also to, to identify spirits is by their predominant character. So for instance, you hear in the Bible an unclean spirit or a deaf and dumb spirit, or is this a spirit of infirmity, okay? So that is categorizing spirit based on their predominant character. So if you see, a spirit that propels someone to do a particular thing, all right, you recognize the spirit by that dominant um, character and dominant trait. It is based on this category now that we are defining the Holy Spirit, and the, the Bible defines the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. You know that there are different ways the Holy Spirit is being described. In fact, the, the mere term Holy Spirit in itself is a description of the spirit, the description of the spirit as a spirit that is holy, all right? You hear, oh, that is um, um, the spirit of wisdom. So I define the Holy Spirit based on that character. But when we say the spirit of truth, all right, we are defining the Holy Spirit by the predominant, by his predominant trait, trait of truth, all right? But we need to now know what does, what it means to, when, when, what it means when we say the spirit of truth. All right, when we say the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, or when the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, um, I want us to explore what does this spirit of truth actually mean, all right? So 
Let's read one more scripture still in the book of John. John chapter 16, verse 12 to 16. The book of John chapter 16, verse 12 to verse 16. Please go ahead and read if you are with, if you are there. Anyone there? John chapter 16, verse 12 to 16. All right, let me read. Okay, someone wants to help us. Uh, John 16. Okay. John 16, 12. Mm -hmm. There is so much more I would like to say to you, but it's more than you can grasp at this moment. But when the truth-given spirit comes, he would mm -hmm. unveil the reality of every truth within you. He mm -hmm. won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. 14, he will glorify me on the earth, for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. 15, everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That is why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. 16, uh, yeah. soon, soon you won't see me any longer, but then after a little while, you will see me in a new way. Hmm, hallelujah. Wow. I, I, what translation is that, please? TPT. TPT. Great. There's a, something it says, there's a, a term it uses in verse, um, verse 13, right? When it says, he will unveil reality to you. I really like that. All right. So from verse 12, that Jesus Christ starts by saying that there are so many things I want to tell you, but you cannot bear. What that means is that there are dimensions of truth Jesus Christ wanted to con communicate to his disciples but they could not handle it. They could not process it. Have you ever tried giving a child, let's say a three-month-old baby, you try giving a three-month-old baby yam to eat or hamburger or, or, or fries to eat? The baby can't process that kind of food, not because the food is bad or not because the food can't even enter the baby's mouth, but the digestive strength of the baby isn't built to break down food of that kind of complexity. It is the same thing Jesus Christ was saying concerning his disciples. He says, there's something, I, there are things I really want to tell you, but you, your, your spirit can't handle it right now. And clearly it was not, Jesus Christ wasn't referring to their ed, education, to, to their level of education. He wasn't saying that, oh, what I want to communicate to you, let's say for instance, in English, your vocabulary, they've not trained you enough to understand English. No, that's not what he was saying. He was saying that what I remember, Jesus Christ said, what I, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and their life. So Jesus Christ was saying that the spiritual communication I want to bring across to you, your framework can't handle this level of data. It can't break it down into usable form. So he says, I'm going to delay on that. However, when the spirit of truth comes, so verse 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth comes, um, like TPT says, he will unveil realities to you. What this means is that Jesus Christ wanted to unveil certain realities to the disciples, but they could not experience it without the help of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost, part of the responsibility of the Holy Ghost in their lives or in our lives as, as well is to bring, bring certain realities that God is communicating as our experience. Take those realities and make them our personal experience. And without the Holy Spirit, it will be impossible. I mean, when we read the Gospels, there are several things that Jesus Christ communicated 
to the disciples that they still didn't understand it. Some of them understood it after he resurrected. All right, some they had, um, sometimes Josh Christ had to explain it over and over to the disciples. In fact, there was a time when Jesus Christ had, shortly after he fed the 5,000, um, fed 5,000 people with, with, um, with five loaves and two fish, and then he again fed 4,000 people with, um, with seven loaves and some fish. Shortly after that, Jesus Christ began to talk about the yeast of the, of the Pharisees, and the disciples didn't understand what he was talking about. He thought he was talking about bread, because fiscal bread, because or they didn't carry bread with them on their journey. And I can imagine Jesus' frustration. He was like, how would I be talking about mere bread? I fed 5,000 people um, with five loaves and two fish. I fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and some fishes. And you, you think I'll be bothered about fiscal bread? If I wanted, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Jesus Christ was, was sounding like this, that if I wanted bread, I, I wouldn't be talking about fiscal bread. I'll probably even manufacture it from, from thin air. You know, so there are, times, there are things that Jesus Christ was communicating that his disciples didn't understand because there was an infrastructure lacking in their, in their spiritual makeup, in their system. And so Jesus Christ said, see, the things I want to tell you, you cannot get them now. You cannot handle them. You won't understand them. You'll waste them. So wait until the spirit of truth comes. So again, we see the Holy Ghost referred to here as the spirit of truth. And I like the way TPT puts it because it already helped begins to explain what the phrase, the spirit of truth means. It says that the spirit of truth says he will unveil to you realities. And that is exactly what, what truth in this, in this um, context means. All right. So this is what I said here. <clears throat> that truth refers to, um, truth here means any experience that originates from the reality of God or from the realm of God. See, anything that comes from God, all right, that originates from God's, real, from God's um, realm is referred to as truth or for the purpose of this study, refer to it as, as realities, okay? And anything that doesn't originate from God, it is, 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 uh, is a lie, it's absolutely a lie, all right? This will help you understand when Jesus said to, the was telling Pharisees that you that they're of the of the devil, um, they're of the of the devil, right? Because he has been a liar from the beginning. And Jesus Christ says the devil has been lying from the beginning, he's the father of lies, and and anybody that lies speaks his native language. So the question now will be: is is a lie the way we understand what a lie is, is that really what a lie is? Because Josh Christ says the devil has been lying from the beginning. So if we go to the beginning and look at what he said to, to Eve, right? You find out that it's almost, you begin to wonder, was that really a lie? So for instance, he told Eve and said, um, if you eat this fruit, your eyes will be open. You begin to know good from evil. You'll be like God, descending good, at, um, good from evil. And that was exactly what happened when they ate the fruit. So my question is, was that a lie? I mean, if, if we interpret lie to be, the way we typically take it in English language. Was that statement a lie? We'll say no, of course. So when Jesus Christ says, says the devil is a liar, we need to interpret lie with reference to the reality of God. Remember, a truth is any experience that originates from God's realm or from God's reality, okay? And any experience that does not originate from the realm of God is, not, is considered a lie. So if we take this definition back to Genesis, we we'll now see that actually what 
Satan was proposing to Eve was actually a lie because the experience did not originate from God's reality. All right. So let's come back to, to John now. So the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. And I said here that truth means any experience that originates from God's realm or from God's <clears throat> reality. All right. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of, of reality. Let's put it that way. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of reality. Okay. And I said here again that truth does not mean a correct statement. And I, I, I want to, you know, point this out to help us. When the Bible talks about truth, it doesn't talk about truth in terms of what is a lie and what is, what is, what is true. For instance, I have a pen in my hand, right? Um, if I come to you and I tell you this is a pen, you say, oh, yes, yes, you are saying the truth. If I come and tell you, no, this is not a pen, this is a, a bottle, you say, no, this is not a bottle, this is a pen. And I say, no, but this is a bottle. You say, no, you are telling a lie. This is not a bottle, this is a pen. So with, with the way we understand it, all right, um, if I say this is a pen, you say, yes, that's true, because my statement is correct. But if I say this is a bottle, you say, no, that's a lie, because my statement is not correct. But I'm saying that that is not the way um, truth is represented in the realm of the spirit. Be truth is not a statement that is correct. Truth is an experience that stems from God, all right? And a lie is not a statement that is false. A lie is any experience that does not originate from God. And if the experience doesn't originate from God, then it clearly originates from Satan or from the devil. And that is why the devil is referred to as the father of lies, meaning the father of counterfeit experiences that do not come from God, all right? I hope that's clear enough. And I referenced here Acts chapter 16 just to show us that... Um, it is not a, a, a truth in scriptures or truth in the realm of the spirit is not referring to just a correct statement. Now, if you read Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 18, there's a story of, so Paul and Silas, they were preaching the gospel, going about their business, evangelizing. And then they came across a particular girl who was possessed with the spirit of divination. The spirit of divination walking through that girl would could almost predict people's people's lives and, and and you know what the spirit of divination is the demonic equivalent of the word of knowledge you know how someone can come to you and give you a word of knowledge and the word of knowledge is so accurate maybe the person tells you oh you know your family is going through this and going through that and the person is accurate as to what they are saying now the spirit of divination is the demonic equivalent of that and many times you people maybe some of you have even encountered it or you meet someone who you know this person is not a christian but everything the person is saying seems correct but you know this person is not your spirit senses that this person there's something wrong with this person but everything the person is saying is correct all right let's say the person is you know how some some fake in quote fake some fake men of god in quote you know um um do miracles that obviously are not inspired or or authorized by the spirit of God. And you see some spectacular encounters where they call somebody and say, oh, if I get, might even call your phone number and the phone number will be correct. That is possible with the spirit of divination. And this was how this girl was operating, this little girl in Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 18. So she was operating by the spirit of divination and she was bringing a lot of gain to her owners, all right? So what, what this means again is that she would, she would, she would say something you know, about a person and th then the person will drop money 
you know, and they were doing it, it was a business pretty much. Her owners were, were making a lot of profit from her. But then Paul and Silas were preaching and preaching and preaching. And when they started preaching, right, this girl came and said, listen to what this girl said. In fact, please permit me to just read it quickly. I was trying to not read there, but let me read it. Acts chapter 16, um, right in verse verse um verse 17 now it says the same followed paul and silas silas and cried saying these men are the servants of the most high god which show unto us the way of salvation think about this think about this everything that the lady said was correct as a statement it was correct she said these people are the servants of the most high god yes in fact even it was almost as if she was helping them evangelize because she went on to say they show us the way of salvation. You can imagine this was a girl speaking by the spirit of divination, not by the spirit of God. And so she was saying this consistently. I'm sure the first day Paul and Silas heard it, I'm sure they were like, everything she has said is correct or nothing is wrong. But they just felt something is still, still wrong in our spirit. They couldn't place what was wrong in their spirit because everything she said was correct as a statement. It was correct. But so they continued preaching, continued preaching. And it got to a point one day in verse 18, Paul says, and the Bible says rather, and this did she many days, but Paul being grieved. So at, it got to a point where Paul was grieved in his spirit. You know, his spirit had descended the, 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 the spirit that the girl was speaking by, even though her statement was correct. The, Paul had descended the spirit that she was speaking by, and then Paul turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And he came out of her the same, the same hour. Notice that Paul did not even speak to the girl. Paul spoke to the spirit straight. So Paul was able to discern that even though the statement was correct, yet the spirit that was speaking was not the spirit of God. This is the definition of truth. Truth is any experience that originates from the spirit of God. And a lie is any experience or, or statement that originate, that does not originate from the spirit of God. Even if the statement is correct. Do you get that? So it is possible for, for people to be saying things that are correct, but they are operating by a different spirit. And you need we need to be discerning enough to know, um, to recognize when the spirit of God is speaking and when other another spirit is, is speaking. All right. And hopefully one day we'll talk about spiritual discernment or or and all probably probably also touch the gift of discernment, all right. And you see that there's a lot that we need to discern in the body of Christ. And this is why, again, you don't just know. Let, let me just chip this in as a side comment. You can't just tell if a man of God is genuine or fake simply by listening to his message. Because his message might be, might be correct. The statement he makes in his message might be correct. It might even seem straight from scripture. So you need to go a step further, all right, to discern by the spirit of God what spirit the man of God is speaking by, okay? And, and by the way, the, the first um, level of discernment is to pass, is to check with the word of God. That is the first level of discernment. But you need to go also go further than that because there are times when people speak and then there's everything they say it seems correct, but your, your spirit rebels against, what, against their spirit. In those moments, you need to check extra. It may just be that, the people are operating, or that person may be operating by a different spirit aside the spirit of God. Okay, so back to our definition. So when the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, 
you now have an understanding of what it means. He's not just saying he's a spirit that cannot lie or he's a spirit that everything he says is correct. He's deeper than that. What the Bible is saying is that the spirit of truth is the spirit that is responsible for communicating realities that, uh, that lie in God. The way we experience realities in God is through the spirit of truth. He's the custodian of those experiences. Hallelujah. He's the custodian of those experiences. If God wants us to experience a certain reality in him, the only way we can experience that reality is through the spirit of truth. That is the Holy Ghost. All right? That is the meaning of, of the spirit of truth. All right. So I said here in the slides that the Holy Spirit is the one who sponsors experiences from God's reality. Let me take that again. The Holy Spirit is the one who is saddled with the responsibility of sponsoring experiences from God's reality. You see, when you in, in God's realm, some things don't exist. In God's realm, some things are in excess, in abundance. Some things, there are things that never, in fact, there's no scarcity. Everything that God provides, he provides in abundance. That's why Joshua said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life, and he says, and have life abundantly. So God never does things in shortage. God doesn't never does things in, in little measures. In, in God's way, all things that he provides are in excess, okay? God gives joy in abundance. God doesn't give joy based on, on few limited experiences or based on one season of your life. No, God doesn't just give peace when things are going fine. In God's calendar, in God's agenda, in God's um, realm, peace is an endless supply. You can never exhaust it. So how do we experience those realities that lie in God? It is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sponsors the experience of God's realities in our life. So I can be on earth right now, praying for something, praying for something, and then all of a sudden, the peace of God just floods my heart. And while other people are worried, for instance, let's say um, my company, for instance, now my company says, oh, we, are, we have to do mass, um, mass, um, what's it called now? There's a, there's a political, there's a right term for it. Anyway, we have to sack people at, at, in mass. We have to um, reduce our workforce. And then everybody is afraid. Oh, will, will I be retained? Will I be fired? Oh, what's going to happen next to me? And then I go to God in prayer. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of all that trouble, the peace of God floods my heart. And I am so calm and so at peace. That experience of peace, right, is a reality that resides only in God. Because Jesus Christ said, in this world, you have trouble. He says, but be of good chef, I've overcome the world. And just like, again, went on to say, peace, uh, do, I, do I live with you? Not as the world gives, but I give you my own peace. Meaning the only way you can experience the new peace on earth is if the peace comes from God. Because based on the, the dynamics of this world, the experience of peace is not part of, the, part of what this world can offer. So when you experience peace in your heart, it is a reality that resides in God that has now come into your heart. How is that possible? It is possible because of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that sponsors the realities of God in our hearts per time, per season, and however he decides to. Okay? So when I'm praying, when I'm praying, for instance, and I sense a note of victory in my spirit, how did I know that note of victory? If, for instance, I'm praying for... Let's say my friend is sick and I'm praying for a friend. All right. Let's say, let's say it's a terminal um, illness and I'm praying for this friend, praying for this friend. How, and then in the, in the midst of my prayer, I sense a note of victory and I know that God has answered that prayer. 
how do I know such a thing when I am not, let's say my friend is in, is in Canada or America, a, a distant country, and I'm right here in Nigeria. How do I know that that prayer has been answered? How do I know that my friend will be healed? It comes from that note of victory. But how does that note of victory, how do I receive that note of victory? I receive it because of the Holy Ghost. So every reality that is in God, we can experience it through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit sponsors the experiences of God's reality. This is what it means by the spirit of truth, okay? And I said here that with the Holy Spirit, you can witness a different reality from your current experience, okay? And just like I explained to us in my example, that there may be um, retrenching staff at, at my office and I go to pray to God and God gives me a note of, of peace. Everybody may be, may be concerned. In fact, everybody may, may be running to lobby around the manager, around the boss and say, you know, you know, sir, I've been loyal. So you know what, you can cut my salary, I'll still stay. And make, doing all of that. But when I go to a place of prayer and I, and I sense that peace, I'm not bothered by what goes on around me because the Holy Spirit has given me a, a witness of a different reality. That is why Jesus Christ said, peace I live with you. How did he live peace? It wasn't just by speaking. He left peace with them in the person of the Holy Spirit. So every time God wants to communicate a reality to us, he does that through the instrumentation of the Holy Ghost. And this is why for this period, we are focusing on the Holy Spirit so that our relationship with the Holy Spirit will grow. Our intimacy with the Holy Spirit will expand. Our, our experience with the Holy Ghost will become richer. Because I can assure you, there's so much that God wants to communicate to us so much of his reality and his presence that he wants to communicate to us, but we are not receiving it because we are not, we are not accustomed to the workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives, all right? And just like I shared with us during um, um, our fiscal meeting that we had held two weeks ago, I believe, uh, over a week ago anyways, I, I explained, we shared that the experience of the Holy Ghost is not necessarily spectacular. It is supernatural, but it's not necessarily spectacular. And that's why we need to educate ourselves to understand how the Holy Spirit operates in our lives so that we can enjoy and, you know, fellowship with his operations more and more, okay? So before I leave this slide, remember, the Holy Spirit is the one who sponsors experiences from God's reality. And I said that with the Holy Spirit, you can witness a different reality from your current experience. So for instance, you might apply Let's say you apply for a job, you've gone through the stages, and then in the final stage, they said, oh, no, they're not continuing with you. You might feel depressed. You might feel sad that you put in so much effort, your hopes were high. But then when you go to pray, the Holy Ghost elevates you. He gives you joy, supernatural joy. Somebody sees you laughing and dancing and rejoicing, and they say, oh, wow, you got in the job. And, the person, and you say, no, I didn't get the job. And the person is wondering, I don't understand what's going on here. You didn't get the job and yet you're happy, you're joyful. Are you a sadist? And yes, you say, no, this is the joy of the Holy Ghost. You can experience a different reality from what you are going through. You know, that is how the, the um, Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember when they threw them into the fire, the Bible says that, in fact, the, the men that threw them into the fire were killed by the flame of the fire. Yet these three Hebrew boys, the fire did not, if perhaps it's not even a hair on their body was touched. The rope that, that they used to bind them was, was burnt, but nothing on their body. In fact, when they came out, the Bible says that not a hair of their body was touched and their bodies did not smell of smoke. It is the Holy Ghost that can give you a different experience from your environment. 
So there can be fire burning where you are, but, but, but you are insulated from the experience around you. So that's why the Bible says a thousand can fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand side, but none will come near you because the Holy Ghost will give you a different reality of God. Hallelujah. Your real safety is in the experience of the Holy Ghost. Your real, our real safety and security is in the fact that we can connect with the dimensions and the realities of God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. All right. So let's continue. So I said here also that, I said here also that this is how faith is born. The Holy Spirit takes a reality from God and etches it on our hearts so that it becomes the substance of things um, not seen and the evidence of things hoped for, all right? So this is how, how the Holy Ghost bets faith in our hearts. And let me even say this, right, that it is impossible to have faith without the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. You know, I know for a while, many of us have understood faith based on principles or principles of faith. Um, um, speak positively. Um, always give. And, and everything we do based on principles, which the principles are, are great, but there's something deeper than principles. And that is the person behind the principles, the power behind the principles. And the person behind faith is the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to have faith with, without the Holy Spirit because the way faith works is this, and the way faith is born in our hearts is this, that God, through the Holy Spirit, takes a reality that exists in him. Let's say, for instance, um, let's say you're trusting God for your masters. You want to go on your masters. You're trusting God for masters. What the Holy Ghost now does to help you have faith for your masters is the Holy Ghost takes the reality of your masters that has not yet come. All right. Remember, God calls those things that be not as though they were. So the Holy Ghost takes the experience of your masters and puts it in your heart so that even though you have not gone for your masters, yet in your heart you are experiencing your masters. And because of that reality that the Holy Ghost has placed in your heart, you now become your, your faith. Your faith is activated from that experience. And so that becomes the substance of things not seen. So you've not yet seen your masters, all right? But you are substantiating it in your heart. It has been substantiated in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Maybe substantiated means, <clears throat> for instance, I'm holding this pen. Because I'm touching this pen, I'm, I can feel this pen. It is substantiated in me, in my, in my experience, because I can see it, I can touch it, I can feel it. You know, it is substantiated. That is what the Holy Ghost does. What you have not yet seen, he substantiates it in your heart, all right? So you might not be seeing it physically, but in your heart, it is so real to you. That is how faith is born. So for instance, you, my example now for the masters, you have not yet gone for your masters. Maybe you don't even have the money for it. But then the Holy Ghost sets that reality ablaze in your heart so much that you are feeling, if you close your eyes, you can feel yourself the experience of you doing your masters. That is what it means to, be, to substantiate. So the Holy Ghost brings that reality to your heart and then it becomes, the, that reality becomes the substance of things hoped, um, the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things hoped for. So somebody comes and asks you, how are you sure you're going to go for your master's? You tell the person that I, I have seen, I have the reality in my heart by the Holy Ghost. That reality is the evidence of things that are hoped for, all right? And really, this is how faith is born. Faith is Faith starts with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't start with you wishing. It starts with the Holy Ghost activating a reality in your spirit, and then 
you begin to take actions and do the other external principles based on the reality that the Holy Ghost has activated and substantiated in your heart. All right. So this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is super important because every reality God wants us to experience, he will channel it through the Holy Ghost. And that's why the unbelievers, according to Bible terms, now unbelievers can't, can't experience certain things because they, they don't have the presence of the Holy Ghost, um, you know, in them. All right. So let's proceed. Now, John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. All right. Please read if you are there, John chapter 4, verse 23 um, to 24. John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. John 4. Yes, please. 23. From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart, for mm. God is a spirit. And he longs to have sincere worshippers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in the truth. Hallelujah. Um, is that okay? Yeah, that's verse 24. Let me read it the way the way King James says it. So, I mean, we're familiar with the term. Um, God is looking for true worshippers, those are worshiping in spirit and in truth. But then in verse 24, Jesus Christ makes a, a statement that. You know, I find it a bit disturbing, you know. I, I mean, permit my humanity. If, imagine if the scripture ended here. I would have found this statement to be a bit disturbing. And let me read it. Verse 24, it says, God is a spirit. Ha! Huh? This statement troubles me because I am a human being. If I want to drink water, for instance, I have a bottle of water in my hand. I want to drink water. I can touch the water. I can taste the water. It enters my body. I can feel it. All right? If I want to see, see someone, I, or if I call you over the phone, for instance, I need to hear you with my physical ears, all right? And I understand what you're saying. It's easy, straightforward. If I come to your house, you give me food to eat. I eat it with my mouth. It enters my physical body. I'm excited. But then the God that everybody says, you must have a relationship with God. You must fellowship with God. Oh, God is great. God is almighty. I say, okay, I want to fellowship with God. I now come and hear that God is a spirit. Ha! That already places a limitation on my humanity because God is a spirit, meaning that if I'm going to interact with God, then I, I, I can't do so physically. I can't, if I, I mean, if I come to your house, we just, we watch movies, we pray together, I can't see you, I can't touch you, I, I, I see with my physical eyes, I hear you with my ears, you are right there. But God, as important as he is to our existence, the Bible calls, says that God is a spirit. Ha. This can be problematic, all right? Because if I'm left alone, so how am I supposed to contact a spirit? I am used to contacting fish. I can, I can touch my friend. I can touch my phone. I can drink water. I can feel it. How do I now contact somebody who is a spirit, all right? So God is a spirit. And I said here in the slide that this means we can't interact with God through our physical senses, all right? Because God is a spirit. So if I want to talk to God, and, and you know, this even explains the, the power and the crux of prayer. If I want to talk to God, really, it's not God doesn't hear my English. It's not my English that God hears. God doesn't hear my French. He doesn't hear my Dutch, or he doesn't hear my Yoruba, or my Hausa, or my Igede, or my um, um, Igbo. He doesn't hear any of those. 
What so what does God really listen to? Because God is a spirit. If I'm talking to, for instance, if I'm talking to you, you you can hear my English and hear what I'm saying. But God is a spirit. So how is He going to hear what I'm saying if what I'm communicating is from the natural realm? Also, if I want to touch God, I mean, we've heard that God is a loving Father. Okay, I want to feel God's embrace. But God is a spirit. Will I be hugging the air and say, God, I want to feel you? Where are you? Where are you? I want to feel you? You know. Because God is a spirit, I can't feel him through my physical senses. In fact, okay, God said that we've heard the Bible says, oh, people have testified and the Bible has told us that God can speak. Okay, so how am I going to hear God if God is a spirit? Will I, how do I start hearing spirit? Will I pull my ear wide and say, let me hear spirit? You know, God is a spirit, meaning we can't interact with God through our physical senses. Also, we can't satisfy him with anything physical. Meaning that if you want to give, if God wants to get, gain satisfaction from your life, his satisfaction doesn't come from physical things. And I, and, and as important as sowing seeds, um, giving to church, helping the poor is super important. But God, what satisfies God really is not your money. And this, this be, be, brings this brings clarity to our, our giving as well. What actually satisfies God is your obedience. Actually, it is the obedience that matters to him, not even the gift that is being obeyed with. All right? It is your yieldedness that satisfies God. Anyways, we're not talking about that, but this just helps us understand how, why, why certain of our actions are powerful and under what circumstances they are powerful. All right? When you pray, Right? Is it that? Is it because you pray loud that God can hear you? Oh, maybe you know God is a spirit, so I need to shout so that He can hear me in the spirit realm. Is that really what um, happens? Okay, so we're going to look at that. Remember, so remember that God is a spirit. This also means that when God wants to communicate to us, He doesn't employ physical means. So if God wants to speak to you because God is a spirit, all right. Let, 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 me, let me backtrack a bit. Because God is a spirit, he dwells in the realm of the spirit. I believe that's easy to understand. Because God is a spirit, he dwells in the realm of the spirit. All right? Because you are a human being, you dwell in the physical realm. Okay? Now, when God wants to communicate with us, he, he doesn't communicate with us through physical means. All right? And I put here a reference to Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. And I put a reference to show you what happened when God attempted to communicate to the Israelites. So what happened was that the Israelites had gathered um, together and, you know, Moses, God had given instructions to Israelites to sanctify themselves, to gather together that he's, go he's going to speak to them. And think about it. This was going to be an supposed to be an exciting experience, okay? And then God begins to speak. And as God speaks, everywhere thunders, and the Israelites were so scared. They told Moses and said, Moses, you know what? We don't want to hear the voice of God again. You just go and hear God. Come and tell us what he says. Anything he says, we'll obey. But for us to hear this voice, we cannot stand it. They were so much afraid. That is what happened when God attempted to speak, to speak physically. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that the voice of God splits the rock into pieces. So if God was to speak physically to us, we'll, we'll probably be having earthquake every single time. All right? So how does God communicate? How do we then interact with a spirit if we are in this dimension? How do we interact with a God who is a spirit and dwells in the realm of the spirit if we are now in this dimension 
of, of flesh or this part of eternity and we are in this um, physical realm? How do we then communicate with him in the spiritual realm? Okay, to answer that question, let us turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17 to 18. Ephesians chapter 2, um, verse 17 to 18. Please read if you are there. I mean, unfortunately, for those of us on Mixellar, um, because of the platform, you won't be able to read. So I, I trust that you are with me. And in fact, let me confirm. So if you are with me, just drop a message and say, yes, I'm with you. Give it a thumbs up. Um, tell me if you are blessed. You can drop an amen. If you're on Mixellar or, and also on Zoom, just let me know we are all together so far. So if you'll be following so far, please drop a comment both on, both on Mixellar and on Zoom. Let me know you have been following so far, all right? Just drop a comment, let's know. While we turn to, while we turn to Ephesians chapter two, verse 17 to 18. Okay, so I see your message on Mixellar. Um, Ida, you said present, thank you. Anybody else dropping a message for us? Um, Zoom, nobody has said anything. Are we together? You might want to drop a message. Let me know we're all together. Okay, Chris says, yes, we are with you. I see that on Mixellar. Okay, Tob say, says, um, following. Okay, yes, we are. Thank you very much, Chidima. All right, so let's read Ephesians chapter two. Now that I know we are together, let's read Ephesians chapter two, verse 17 to verse 18. So this answers our question as to how we are able to relate with God, if God is in the realm of the spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, 17 and 18. Please read if you are there. Ephesians 2, 17. For the Messiah has come to preach this message of peace to you, the ones who were distant and to the ones who were near. And now, because we are united in Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. Hallelujah. So her translation <clears throat> puts it this way, it says in the realm of the Holy Spirit. Um, let me put it the way, let me read um, the way, was it now, King James Version puts it. It says, I'm just reading verse 18, for through him, we both have access. Emphasis on the word access. We both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So when it says through him, that's referring to Jesus Christ. And if you start reading from um, verse one of chapter two, you'll understand how Paul was laying, his, um, laying out his thoughts as to the work of that Christ did. Talking about how both Gentiles and both Jews and non-Jews have been, now been united together in Jesus Christ, okay? I now says that verse, eight, verse 18, that both of us, that's both Jews and non-Jews all together, we have the same access to the Father, right? And how do we have access to the Father? It is by the Holy Spirit. What this means is, even though the Father dwells in the realm of the Spirit, yet through the Holy Spirit, we now have access to the Father. And this access is really what empowers us to hear God. This access is what empowers us to, to speak to God, to communicate with God, all right, this is what this access is what empowers us to experience the realities of God. So, if God dwells in the realm of the spirit and we dwell in the physical realm, how are we able to bridge the gap 
between the realm of the spirit and the and the and the physical realm, all right, and the natural realm. That is possible through the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, for instance, let, let before I go on with the slide, let me use analogy. If I call you on my phone right now, eh? Um, let's say I call you on FaceTime or I call you on WhatsApp, WhatsApp call. You are able to hear me, even if you are from China, even if you are in China or anywhere in the world, right? As long as you are connected to the internet, you are able to speak to me over the phone, right? Over, let's say, the WhatsApp call. You are able to speak to me over the phone because of the infrastructure of the internet. So our distance is no longer a barrier because a, an infrastructure called the internet has made it possible for us to communicate with each other, even though we are in distant and different locations. In fact, even if you are you are 12 hours away from me, or there's a time difference of 12 hours between us, we will still be able to communicate effectively because of an infrastructure called internet. That is how the Holy Spirit operates, right? He's an, if he serves as an infrastructure that bridges the gap between the physical realm and the realm of the spirit. So the reason why I'm able to pray and I can hear the voice of God in my prayer, why I'm able to pray and my, my words can reach up to God, even though he's in the realm of the spirit, the reason is because the Holy Ghost has bridged that gap. All right? And let me explain something about the realm of the spirit, all right? Which, which differs from my analogy. So I, my analogy, you could be in a distant place, but you see, the realm of the spirit is not necessarily a far place in terms of this distance, right? It is just a different dimension. And I was thinking about this today, and I was thinking of how best to explain it. And this illustration came to my heart. So imagine, for instance, you are in a room, okay? And then you, there's a room beside the room you are in, all right? But that room is, is being is blocked. I mean, the room is being divided by a wall. So let's say this wall is very thick. So there can be there can be part, a party, for instance, going on in the next room, but you might not even hear it. You might not even know what is going on there. You might not partake of it because there's a wall separating the two rooms. That room is not far. It is just, in fact, if, if you could stretch your hand, you'll probably be able to enter that room. But because there's a wall, you are not able to participate in the activities and the experience and all the amazing things that, that are going on in the next room. That is how the realm of the spirit is. The realm of the spirit is not far. It is just in a different dimension. And because it's in a different dimension, if we are not empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit, we will never be able to enjoy the, the, the um, blessings, the amazing things that God has placed for us in that dimension of, in the realm of the spirit, all right? And that is why the Holy Ghost is super important. He is the bridge that connects us with God who lives in his own realm, who is in the realm of the spirits, all right? So when we pray, the Holy Ghost connects us. And this is why when you walk with the Holy Spirit, you now find out that God is actually not far. God is as close as your heart. And how is he as close as your heart? He's as close as your heart because the Holy Spirit dwells in your hearts. Oh my God, this is so exciting. See, God is as close to you as your beating heart because the Holy Spirit has breached that gap. He has breached the distance. So even when I pray, I don't need to, I mean, of course, there are times when, I, when, you, when you, you need to express yourself in a loud way when you are praying, but I don't always have to do that. 
I can pray quietly, maybe under my breath and even in my heart, and yet God hears me, not because my voice is loudest, but because the Holy Ghost has connected God, uh, connected me to the dimension of God in the realm of the Spirit. All right? I hope th this is clear enough. So I said here in the slide that the Holy Spirit bridges the gap between the natural and the spiritual realm. I beg your pardon, this is supposed to be realm. The Holy Spirit bridges the gap between the natural and the spiritual realm. Okay? And I said here that he brings us into the reality of the Father. That is why he's called the spirit of truth or the spirit of reality. So what the Holy Ghost does is that, for instance, I maybe something is depressing me. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling sad. And I just say, God, this something, something happened and I feel so sad. And I, then I go to pray. As I begin to pray, as I begin to pray, the presence of the Father becomes so real to me. Physically, I am in the same room. There's nothing, nothing has changed around me physically. In fact, I'm not even in church. Let's, let's assume oh, only in church people say we can express God. I'm not even in church. I'm just in my room praying and praying and praying. And then what happens is that the presence of the Father come, becomes real to me. Why is it possible? It is possible because of the Holy Spirit. And what happens when the presence of the Father comes real is that that very thing that made me sad or depressed automatically disappears because there's a different reality around me at that moment. And that experience would completely change the way I feel forever, all right? So it is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring, bring, the real, bring us into the reality of the Father. And I said here that that is why he's called the spirit of truth. And I said again, just for emphasis, that the Holy Spirit enables our interaction and communication with the Father who is a spirit. So the reason why we are able to communicate with God, the reason why we are able to hear God and speak to God and discern what God is saying, discern what God is doing, is simply because of the Holy Spirit. And this is why, again, I want to tell us it is super important to build an intimate personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. If not, all the blessings that God, you know, the Bible says that um, he has blessed us with every spiritual, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All that spiritual blessing is made possible and available to us through the Holy Spirit. So sometimes we will be going through things that we shouldn't go, we shouldn't be going through because we haven't learned to fellowship and to be intimate with the Holy Spirit. All right. And if you let me say this, if you know, if you know how to fellowship with the Holy Ghost, you know, you know that there's nothing on this earth that can be a threat to you because you will not be living your life on earth, you'll be living your life. Let me put it this way. You believe your life from heaven on earth. You won't believe your life from earth, even though you are on earth. You won't believe your life from earth. You believe your life from heaven on earth. And that's why you see some people say, some, some people, I mean, some people say, oh my God, the country is going down. Oh, we are, we are, we are going to see money. There's poverty and scarcity everywhere. And the people are, we, we don't understand what you are saying because we are living from heaven. Where we are, where we are operating from, there's no scarcity. We are living from heaven on earth. Where we are operating from, there's no sadness. There's no, there's no depression. There's no chaos. There's no confusion. There's no whatever um, vices and, and experiences they have on earth. We are living on earth, but our, we are living from heaven. That is only possible because of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit brings this dimension to us, and it's so practical. It is so real. This is not 
this is not something spooky that we're trying to make say to make us feel spiritual. No, it is a very practical experience with the Holy Ghost. And I'm so certain that a lot of us have experienced or are even experiencing these things. You know, so I'm trying to give, give, I'm trying to just capture our experiences in this Bible study. All right. So this is the last slide. I just I'll just end with some few points before I take our questions and contributions. So I said here that all our Christian practices and activities are only powerful when the spirit of God is involved. And let, let, let me just read the next point. And, and oh, no, no, okay, before I go to the next point, let me explain this. Meaning that when I go to pray, the reason why my prayer is powerful, to be honest, is not because I am saying, if, if, we, if, we, if we contact other religions, you find out that some religions are more, are more committed to prayer than a lot of Christians. That's the pray at certain hours in the day, they pray certain times in the day. In fact, if you if you look at even physical consecration, all right, you find that at certain religions, if you look at the monks, the way they are consecrated, if it was just by physical abstinence alone, these people would have been the most spiritual people. So these activities in themselves is not what generates power. What makes our prayer powerful? What makes our giving powerful? What makes our declaration, our words powerful is that the spirit of God is involved in what we are doing. The moment you eliminate the spirit from an activity, it has become a work of the flesh. And that is literally what a work of the flesh means. When you, you know, somebody can pray in the flesh. Why is, and prayer is important. Prayer is awesome. But how can someone pray in the flesh? Once the Holy Ghost is, is removed from that activity, then it is a fleshly activity. So what gives life to our spiritual, our activities as Christians is the presence and involvement of the Holy Spirit, okay? And I said here also that our worship, our prayer, our Bible study, and every, every other activity will remain dead unless the Holy Spirit is involved. Please hear this very well. You can be doing Bible study in the flesh, and there are times where I have done it, and, and you know, I, got, I remember one time in school, I was reading my Bible, I, I did not understand anything. I closed my Bible and said, I'm not doing it again. I can't be reading the word of God and not understand. So what am I reading? I can as well read a novel or go and watch a movie. But when the Holy Spirit is involved, oh my God, you can read two verses of scriptures and those two verses of scriptures, you read it for four hours and you are still on those, just those two verses of scriptures because the life of God, the spirit of God is involved in that activity. So if we don't involve the Holy Spirit, if we eliminate the Holy Spirit from any of our activities, as good as the activity is in themselves, it will be a dead activity, all right? And I put here in the, in the slide, um, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 7 to 8, is a very familiar story, the story of the dry bones. And then Ezekiel first of all prophesied, <coughs> Ezekiel first of all prophesied, and then bone came to bone, you know, and, and flesh covered it, but, but it was still a dead army, meaning all the things were fit in place, everything was, was okay. All the bones were, sorry, excuse me. All the bones were where they were supposed to be. All the all the uh, muscles, the ligaments, all the body parts were intact. But yet it was still a dead, dead body. What brought it to life? What animated it was the Holy Spirit and the physical prophesied and the wind came and, and entered into it. The wind yes signifies the Holy Ghost. So it is in the same way that you can be singing worship songs. You can be singing, in fact, be singing the most powerful worship songs. 
But if the Holy Ghost is not involved, it will be dead. You can be praying and praying and be shouting and raising your voice, but if the Holy Ghost is not involved, your activity will remain dead. It is the Spirit of God that brings to life our Christian practices. So when we say fast, when you involve the Holy Ghost, oh, your fasting is powerful. When we say pray and you involve the Holy Ghost in your prayer, your prayer is powerful. There is nothing that, no activity that is powerful in itself. It is only powerful when the, activity, when the Holy Ghost is involved. Let me say that again. There is no activity that is powerful in itself. It is only powerful when the Holy Ghost is involved. And this is why we do, we're, we're exploring this um, topic right now. Because we want to get the Holy Ghost involved in our activities. We want to get the Holy Ghost. You can't be reading the Bible and they say, I don't understand. This Bible said, you just close it. Yes, there's too much power in the word of God. But you will not get it unless the Holy Ghost is involved. All right? So lastly, I said here that the Holy Ghost animates the written word so it becomes a living experience in our hearts. And just as I was talking about the, the, the Bible, the word of God, when you read the word of God, it is the written word. Anybody can, any, anybody, whether atheist, unbeliever, any religion can go and buy a copy of the Bible and say, yes, I want to read the Bible. But it will not make sense to them without the help of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Ghost now gets involved, even, not just, even Christians can have picked the Bible and, and read it and it didn't make sense to them. But when the Holy Ghost is involved, the Holy Spirit animates the written word of God so that it becomes a living experience in our hearts. That is why John could say in 1 John chapter 1, but he says that that which we have heard with our ears, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have looked upon, which our hands have handled of the word of truth, right? This is what we, we speak about. Meaning John had an animated experience of the written word of God. So it's possible for you to be reading the Bible, ah, reading Bible, oh yes, David killed Goliath. Okay, fantastic. But when you now, when the Holy Ghost is involved, he shows you things from the same scripture you are reading, from the same popular story of, let's say, David and Goliath. And he shows you things and it becomes an animated experience in your heart, such that when you face danger, what you use to respond to danger is not, is not a word that you, you heard and you can just easily quote. It's a word that is alive in your spirit. It's a word that is alive in your heart. Have you ever been faced with a sudden, um, sudden um, attack and spontaneously you responded without even thinking? The response that you give in terms of emergency is the response that have become a living experience in your heart. Not the one that you heard your pastor quote so many times. Until it becomes a living experience, it will never be powerful in your life, all right? Let me say it again. Until the word of God becomes a living experience, it will never be powerful in your life. And this is why we have the Holy Spirit, to bring the, make the word of God a living experience so that the realities that are in God, all the fantastic things that God wants us to drink from, the river of life, drink of divine healing, fellowshiping with him, interacting with the realm of the spirit, it would only be possible with, with the Holy Spirit. All right? So this is what I wanted, us, what I wanted to share with us today. Um, just to set our hearts really on fire and to make us desire intimacy and desire experience with the Holy Ghost. Listen, there are many people that talk about the Holy Spirit, but they don't experience the Holy Spirit. It's easy to quote what some great person said or quote something you are, you've heard several times, but when the Holy Ghost comes, oh my God, you would know that the Holy Spirit is here. You don't need anybody to tell you because life itself will flow from every experience that the Holy Ghost supplies. Hallelujah. 
All right, so let's end here. And um, I will take questions and contributions, but I really hope you've learned one a thing or two um, from all that we have said so far. Okay. So I will take I will take questions. Sorry, take questions and um, contributions if you have any. Please, for those of us on MixLR, please type in your questions or drop in your um, contributions. Let's us so I will just read it out there. But yeah, so the floor is open before we close quickly. Anyone has a question you want to share or you want to, you know, maybe drop a contribution or something that really blessed you, you want to share it with everyone, go ahead. We'll just have, um, say, four minutes before we close. Anybody like that? Mixeller, um, Zoom, we are, we are right here with you. Anyone? Oh, no question. Oh, fantastic. So that means we understood everything that was shared. Okay, that's awesome. Um, um, okay, so in that case, tell me in one minute, one thing that you learned today that you're going to apply or that, you know, you're going to um, meditate on or focus on or something that ble has blessed your heart today before we go. Um, anybody here, please just share with us in one minute something that bless your heart. Remember, mix it up, please. You can drop your comments and I will read it out to everyone. All right, so floor is open. One thing that bless your heart that you learned today, um, you're going to practice, you're going to put it to your, or you, something you want to even share with your friend. Maybe you heard something and say, oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm going to share this with someone. So go ahead, the floor is open. Anybody? Oh, we are usually quiet today. Um, okay, let me call someone. Um, Chidima, do you want to share with us just one thing you learned today that you will put in practice or something that you know struck your heart and is good? You are going back with from today's Bible study. Um, Chidima, remember to unmute your mic so that we can hear you. Okay, good evening, everyone. Evening. Okay, um, what really struck me was when you were talking about um, without the Holy Spirit, like, I mean, knowing the principles of faith and everything is good, but without the Holy Spirit, that it's like not really possible to have faith, real faith in God. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that just struck me like really powerfully and made me realize that, yeah, it's really important and it's really important for us to um, ensure that we have um, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and to, I mean, to have a great relationship more with the Holy Spirit, to just have to study our Bibles more. So that's why I go from this. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shidima. God bless you. Thanks for sharing that. All right. One person, what else did we learn today that we're going back with? One more person and we're done. One more person and then we are done. Um, let me call on Tobes. So I'm, I'm not sure what the full name is, but here on Zoom, it is Tobes. So please, Tobes, do you want to share with us one thing you have learned today that you're going back with? Don't forget to unmute your mic so we can hear you. Um, Tobes, are you there? Um, 
Uh oh, okay, not there. All right then. All right, all right. So thank you, everybody. Um, let's say a word of prayer um, before we take announcements and close. So let's pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for today's Bible study. We thank you for teaching us about your Holy Spirit and, um, and all that you have um, impressed on our hearts. We ask, dear Holy Spirit, that you help us to walk in the consciousness of this truth. Help us to continue to deepen our fellowship with you so that we can experience all the reality that the Father has in store for us. We thank you, Father, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. All right, so Ida sent something. Let me just read out to us while we're praying. Um, she says here that the Holy Spirit, okay, what she learned is that the Holy Spirit bridges the gap between the natural and the spiritual realm, which gives us access to the Father. Um, God is as close to us as our beating heart. Thank you very much, Ida, for, for sharing that. Um, also, okay, so Tops here says that I'm grateful for the nudge and reminder of the need to test all spirits. Awesome. Thank you very, very much. All right, so before we go, just two things quickly. If this is your first time joining us, um, please, we really would love to meet you. Um, can you just say, just introduce yourself, please. Tell us who you are and where you're joining us from and also who invited you or how you got how you got to find out about us. All right, so if you, this is your first time with us, please let us know who you are um, and also who invited you and where you are joining us from. If you're on Mixeller also, and this is your first time, please, we'd love, love to hear from you. Be kind enough to drop in the comment section your name, um, your name, who invited you or how you got to find out about us and what city or what country you're joining us from. All right, anyone like that? Okay, while we're waiting for, let me also read an additional comment, um, comment from Tobes. He says, my light bulb moment is the clarity of, of the truth. It came out needful for me. Thank you so much, Tobes. Um, by the way, what's your full name? I mean, if you just don't mind dropping it in chat so I can call you your proper name. All right, so yeah, first time anybody, anyone like that joining us for the very first time, please let us know, drop it in the comments section if you're on Mixeller. If you're on Zoom, please feel free to go ahead and just unmute yourself and tell us. Okay, Toby Loba. All right, Toby Loba. So I shouldn't be calling you Tobes. All right, Toby Loba. All right, so no, no first timer, nobody yet. Okay, great. So secondly is that we are meeting next week, same time, um, same link, same Holy Spirit. All right, so we're meeting next week on Tuesday by 7 p.m. as well. And like I said, again, we are, we are focusing on the Holy Spirit for this period, most likely for this month of <clears throat> September and hopefully the month, month of October. We'll just focus on the Holy Spirit in different different dimensions, all right? So please let's ready our hearts and be on the watch out. And the last Tuesday of this month will be a prayer session, just as it has always been, okay? So please invite someone when you're coming along and um, it'll be a great time. Just again, to, to retreat that we have a Mixeller channel, just in case we don't know. And we had, earlier on, we had up to 10 people on Mixeller, which was great. And then also we have Zoom. So if you, you know, if there's data constraint or whatever the case may be, you want to join Mixeller, it's available for you. And um, if you want to join Zoom, also you can do that. 
All right, thank you everyone for joining us tonight or, or whatever time um, it is where you're, you're joining us from. God bless you. This message we put on our podcast by tomorrow so you can listen to it again and again. Okay, thank you very much everyone. Have a wonderful um, rest of your remaining part of your day.